While I was unemployed, I was scammed hard. This is how I got revenge on the scammer. First and foremost, this did not happen in the United States. Some events might be pursuable up there, but down here, it is mostly no man's land regarding this kind of scam that I fell for. For the sake of this story, we're going to refer to where I'm from as no man's land. My wife is a nurse. Back then, back in early 2000, she worked in an ICU unit of a relatively exclusive and therefore expensive hospital. Specifically, she had to care for patients that had undergone cardiac arrest. At the same time, I was working for a small company that was going out of business. The owners were retiring. We hadn't secured any important contracts lately. And in my country, you have to pay employees severance unless you file for bankruptcy. So they decided to shut down while they still had enough cash to pay our severances. One day, my wife calls me and tells me about this gentleman in his late 50s that had been on the verge of passing away. And after a close call, he was so grateful. We'll call him Benny Lowy. This gentleman happened to work in electronic imports, which gave him access to incredibly convenient deals. Long story short, he was so grateful for what my wife did as a nurse that he wanted to sell us an LCD TV, a store demo unit that had been used just once, and we'd only need to pay one fourth of its retail price as long as we kept it quiet because he was risking his relation with the brand. It caught me off guard, but I said yes and she paid. Anyway, the only TV in the house prior to this had been a wedding present and weighed over one. 100 pounds. We were very eager to replace it. I was naive. I know. But I thought, being her patient, she knew all the personal data from this guy, so it seemed unlikely that he would target her for a scam. His father was a known businessman. Now retired and approaching his 80s, Mr. Lowy Sr. was well respected in his community and wouldn't have let his son wreak havoc. Also, my wife had acquaintances in common with Benny's brother, a known doctor of another hospital. So Christmas was approaching. She asked Benny who had already been discharged and back home for advice regarding the present she wanted to give me. A phone. He hooked her up with the best she could think of. Now I can't remember the exact model but it was a Sony Ericsson flagship and it wasn't yet offered by local carriers. He had access to it because of his status as the local representative for said brand. She went with it and paid. That brings us to chapter 2 of this story. The job position. I've said my employer was shutting down so for the sake of it she asked Benny if he knew someone that needed an IT guy. He said, Oh no, of course. I'll meet your husband at his place tomorrow. And there I was, in a gas station uptown. He pulled over in a luxury car. Mr. Lowy was a normal looking guy. He used a cane and had noticeable knee or hip pain. We sat down in the gas station coffee shop and he told me about a mid-management position reporting to him in a mining company I had barely heard about. He coached me on what I should say in the upcoming job interview. We spoke about salary. I was dazzled. Wait, mining? Didn't you say he was into imports? He was that kind of guy you can't pause to question because he'd already thrown something extra into the mix and this position had a better paycheck than the one I was being laid off. In the next days, we had a few phone calls. Stuff looked promising. I had already been laid off. We agreed he'd pick me up on December 24th and introduced me to senior managers as the recommended help desk junior manager. I woke up extra early, put on my best suit, waited in the front yard, but hours went by. I had planned to be back before noon to arrange stuff for that night's dinner because my parents were coming over. After calling him repeatedly, he told me that he was assaulted and robbed. They took my cane and broke it over my knee. He wailed. Poor guy. I told him to forget about my interview for the time being and he said, No, no, no. I promised you. I'll make it up to you, I swear. Of course, since he had been injured, he wasn't able to deliver the items my wife bought from him. That night, my mom asked me about the new job. I could not bring 
myself to tell her about the delay. I told her it was going fine. But that night I googled him. Nothing showed up except for some awards in the Imports and Customs Associations of whatever. He called me to reschedule our interview December 31st. Again, picture me in my best suit outside in front of my house on a summer morning. Of course, he didn't show up. When I finally reach him, he tells me that when his car had been stolen last week, they took his wallet too, which these thugs eventually dropped during another robbery, so he had now been detained as a suspect for that. He hadn't been able to pick up the imported electronics at the customs office, so they had moved them to another custody unit where it would take a couple of weeks to retrieve. That night, we went to my parents' house for New Year's Eve, and my mother asked me about the new job. It's all fine, I said. I googled him again, this time with variations regarding his name or the supposed company he was setting me into. Nothing showed up. Nothing shady. The next call was a week later. He told me that because he was being involved in a police investigation, this mining company had fired him. But this was actually good because now I was going to be interviewed to take his position as the IT manager. This meant double my former paycheck and securing a position that would be a leap forward in my career. So I didn't ask too many questions. I was just grateful. All of those delays in the end would pay off. This situation, as you've already figured out, went on for weeks and weeks. My interview never happened. The electronics never arrived. We had lost our money, our time, our Christmas, our hopes, and I was still unemployed and hadn't been applying for job offers since I had this one allegedly secured. I texted him back somewhere in between, and when I texted him, I said, why are you doing this? He texted back, if you wanted to, you have nothing on me, but if you stick with me, you'll be rewarded tenfold. Chapter 3. Cue the detective. Time went by. Eventually, my wife overhears from a couple about this patient in another hospital she was working at. Some nurses do part-time work at other hospitals. She had fell for it too, but her husband was a detective. So a few hours later, we were filling him in with the details of the scam that we fell for. Asking around, he found a third nurse scammed by this same guy. Soon enough, he was detained, this time for real, and admitted to have been scamming people due to mild dementia. This was invented impromptu. This detective talks him into an off-court deal in which he gives us back every cent, but not my time nor hopes, in exchange for us not pursuing any legal action. This was a decent deal because us, having failed to make a written agreement on any of these purchases, had at most a weak claim to our money. By the way, the money with which he paid us, he had to borrow from his father and some from his brother, the doctor. Remember this didn't happen in the United States? This agreement is actually completely legal down here. Chapter 4. I made a blog. I couldn't go for any further legal action, but there wasn't a non-disclosure agreement whatsoever. And I thought, what could prevent other people falling into this scammer's lies? Well, perhaps some Google results. So I created a blog on WordPress. Think something like Benny Lowy, the scammer.wordpress.com. It was a single post in third person telling my story. In the following days, that post comments had dozens of stories much like mine. I made them into posts. A few of them got their comments too, telling other people's stories. In a few weeks, looking for Benny Lowy's name on Google led to this blog. In my country, you can review updates regarding court ongoing cases, except for felonies that are non-public. Searching for his national ID, which I had known thanks to our settlement as a sued party, I could just find an eviction action due to failing to pay his condo's lease. But looking for him as the suing party, I found out that he had sued the WordPress URL, our fictional local domain, which 
was registered by a local guy through GoDaddy.com. Following up with this case, this guy had spent a month trying to demonstrate that this local guy had to take down the blog I made in the .com domain. Go figure. I was tempted then and there to set a post on the blog saying, if you wanted to, you have nothing on me. However, I have never attempted to let him know who's doing this. I just log into the blog every once in a while. Today was the first time I logged in for years and I keep finding in the comments more and more scammed people, all of them in a vulnerable moment of their life. Unemployed guys, small startups looking for an angel investor, small branch salespeople pursuing a promising commission, those who have in time reached a compensation or agreement. It's because Benny's now ancient father had to chip in. From what they say, his brother has gone no contact. Most of the commenters leave their email addresses and I have known of a few that have teamed up with each other and succeeded in legal actions. So was I the jerk for exposing his scam to this degree? There's a difference between going out and doing something like this to someone just to mess with them or because you're mad at them for something. But this guy, Lowy, is a massive serial scammer. If any of you guys have watched that documentary about the Tinder swindler, that guy was also a serial scammer and he was doing it in a way so he couldn't legally get in trouble for a long time. He was basically using one girl's money to pay for an expensive lifestyle for the next girl and then using that girl to get the money from her to pay for the next girl. It's kind of like a pyramid scheme with dating, sort of. But one of the only ways they were able to slow this down is when they finally got people to start investigating what he was doing. And then all of the victims of his scams started to find each other. Some of them lost their entire houses, life savings, their family's money, everything. But the sad thing in this story is that he is specifically targeting people that are in vulnerable positions, like the OP said. People that are unemployed or just people that need money in general, for whatever reason, they might be in a desperate position. And in a situation like that, you want to believe, even when it doesn't really make sense to. So if somebody had scammed you like this, how would you handle it? Let me know down below and jerk or not a jerk and why. A person continuously steals my bicycle parking space and taunts me in Japanese. So I had to get some serious revenge. Here is what I did. So I'm living in Japan now and here people ride bicycles a lot. You can't leave your bike anywhere and you have to pay for parking between one and two dollars a day. There are very few free parking areas for bicycles. Most people leave their bikes at the same place so they pay monthly because it's cheaper and you have your own space. This started a couple of weeks ago. Someone in my building started having a guest who decided to steal my bicycle parking space whenever they came to visit. Sometimes they stayed the whole night so I had to go to the station, pay one dollar and come all the way home walking which meant I would need to walk to the station the next day getting up earlier, walk about 20 minutes to the station while carrying my heavy bag. All the bicycle spaces have a number which means they are reserved for someone. Mine is number 105. But this person decided to take mine whenever they came to visit. The second time this happened, I told the building manager, but they didn't do anything. The third time I saw the bicycle there, it was the same red expensive bicycle. I left a note in Japanese saying, please don't leave your bicycle here. This is my space and I am using it every day. I found the note taped with the tape I used to tape it on their bike to my parking space and it had a couple of bad words in Japanese at the end. Basically, he was not only stealing my space, but making fun of me by insulting me. Fine. It's just fine. I probably wouldn't have done anything about it if he hadn't ran those words. This triggered me and got the worst out of me. This person did it again a couple of times, so I knew this would continue. I was thinking about buying another bicycle, a better, more expensive one that I could use to go on cycling trips, so a good chain slash lock was needed anyway. I bought one of the thickest they had at the store and decided to try its efficiency. I locked his bicycle next time I saw it there. It hasn't moved for seven days. There were two notes. The first one was a very aggressive one 
with more bad words and threats about going to the police, which I don't care. Let's go that way, buddy. The second note days later was an apology and they begged and begged for me to unlock the bike because they tried to break the lock, but they couldn't break it. I guess he has learned his lesson. I'm pretty sure he won't do it again, but I just want to enjoy this feeling of victory a couple days more. I will free his bike in two or three days, I guess. To give some more updates from the future, the OP updated by saying, in order to keep my name out of any legal issues, I changed parking lots. It is not as close as this one, but I could come back in a month or two and I would be getting a new space so it would be okay. Also, I left a tiny and very discreet note saying that I will free his bike in exchange for $100. I wanted to ask for more, but he probably wouldn't pay it. I taped the bill under the seat. I will wait a couple of weeks. If he doesn't pay, I will take it out at night as far as possible from the place, steal his seat, cut the brakes and tires and all the other small pieces I can get or destroy. I can't steal the bike and dump it somewhere else because he locked it. So I would need to carry it. And lastly, the lock that I got is the thickest and one of the most expensive things in the entire bicycle shop. You cannot cut it with normal tools because the thing is as thick as my finger. I'm pretty sure you would need some kind of industrial tools to cut it. It would be much easier to cut the parking device because the metal is thinner there. So was I the jerk. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. 
I think just asking this guy for $100 straight up might not actually work out because he's probably going to feel like he's being extorted. But maybe if you just explained, hey, I had to pay all these parking fees for the last month that you've been using my spot and I had to pay for the spot that I wasn't even able to use. If you broke it down like that by saying you're just paying for the thing that you stole from me, my time and the actual bill that I had to pay for this parking spot and the other one, because really he's paying for two spots at the same time. He's paying for the one at the station and the one at his place. Then maybe this person would actually give him the money, but it's hard to imagine him giving the money just for no reason, taping the money under the seat without any explanation, unless he really, really needs that bicycle back. I'm surprised that neither one of them found where the other one was because eventually if this keeps going on and there is no resolution, they might actually run into each other one day and that would be awkward because the bike parking spot thief is acting real tough in these notes by writing all these bad words in there. But who's to say that he'll actually be like that in person? He might be very non-confrontational when he actually meets them face to face. But if you were in the situation, let me know what you would do and jerk or not a jerk and why. My neighbor didn't want to pay for the right trash bags, so they kept throwing trash into my yard so that I would have to pay for the trash bags and put them out myself. So I decided to get some revenge. Here's what I did. My now ex-neighbor was pretty trashy. Car sitting on blocks in the yard, cigarettes hanging out of her mouth while she's nine months pregnant, blasting Kid Rock tunes level trashy. Well, this lady decided that paying $1 per trash bag was just too much. Our town will only pick up your trash if it's in one of the pre-approved purple bags though. So normal trash bags will just be left behind. The trash truck just drives right past them. Her solution, buy normal trash bags at the dollar store and have her eight-year-old child toss them over the fence into my yard. Now their trash is my problem. After confronting her, she just laughed. So I called the cops. They said that since the kid is so young and there was no proof his parents told him to do it, there was nothing that they could do. So this went on for about four months. Me too taking the bags of trash they toss into my yard, wrapping them in purple bags that I paid out of my own pocket for and putting them out to the curb. It was pretty infuriating and annoying. Not to mention the extra $3 or so a week I'm spending on trash bags. I'm slowly growing to hate this woman. It was annoying at first, but I was getting mad. Mind you, I own my home and she was renting hers. So I get a hold of their landlord and I offer to buy the house for a decent amount above market value, 17% over market. He jumps at the offer. And soon, I am the proud owner of the house next door to me. Sure, it cost me $71,000, but what price can you put on peace of mind? The very first thing I did was serve them an eviction notice in person across that same fence they like to throw trash over. That was 31 days ago. As of today, the unit is empty. I don't know where they went, but they're someone else's problem now. All because they didn't want to pay for her own trash bags. I think I'm going to knock that house down and make my yard bigger. I've been wanting to put in a hand ball court. Was I the jerk? With these kind of stories, it's kind of hard to know if it's just laziness or if the neighbors were truly in a desperate situation where they were in some sort of extreme poverty and they needed every single dollar they could get. I mean, if they really didn't have the three dollars, that's one thing. But if they had enough money to get by on and the three dollars wasn't a big deal and they were just throwing trash into their neighbor's yard because they were lazy, that makes them the jerk, obviously. I'm not sure where this is, but $71,000 to buy an entire house must be in a place where I'm guessing the overall cost of living is a lot lower in general. So let me know what you would do in this situation and jerk or not a jerk and why. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. To finish listening to all the stories in this series, use the playlist at the top of the description. And next time you live stream, use the cream of the crop music. Search for cream of the stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you use for copyright free music to use for your stream. It's free. Cream of the stream. Either way, thanks a lot for listening. I'll see you guys next time.